Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Drs. April Schachtel and Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Clippings Podcast, where we review nail papers and present them to you. I'm April Schachtel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Catherine Stiff. Hey, April, and hello, listeners. My article this month is titled, Causes of Longitudinal Nail Splitting, a Retrospective 56-Case Series with Clinical Pathologic Correlation. It comes from Drs. Inthasot, Andre, and Richer, and was published in the Journal of European Academy of Dermatology and Venereology in May 2022. The aim of this retrospective study was to describe the split nail, which is a fragile nail characterized by a longitudinal fissure involving the entire thickness of the nail plate. It may be distal only or proximal only extending from the proximal nail fold, or totally splitting the nail into two parts. Prior to this study, literature on the topic consisted of small series or single case reports, and so this was the first descriptive study of longitudinal nail splitting. This group analyzed the clinical and histopathologic features of 56 cases of split nail seen at the dermatology department of St. Pierre University Hospital in Brussels from 1997 to 2019 that had photographs available. 60% of the patients were women and 40% were men, 10 were children, and the age at time of diagnosis ranged from 2 to 86 with a median age of 44. Half of the patients sought advice because of functional impairment and one-third it was due to cosmetic appearance. The split nail was a fingernail only in 75% of cases, toenails only in 22% of cases, and it was rarely split nails on both finger and toenails. The authors postulate that this is due to the thicker nail plate on the toenail and also because people tend to present more often for changes on the fingernail compared to the toenail. The split nail was mostly monodactylous, one finger only in 82%. The rest were polydactylous, including one unfortunate patient who had splitting on all fingernails. The thumb was most common finger involved and the hallux was the most common toe, likely due to the higher rate of trauma for both compared to on the other digits. Exam and history was adequate to make the diagnosis in 35% of cases and a biopsy was performed in 58%. In addition, 20% of patients underwent additional testing like mycology, blood tests, radiographs, ultrasound, or MRI. Their finding was that in broad categories, the causes of split nail were most often tumors then inflammatory disease, trauma, congenital, and then finally systemic disorders. This may not represent the true prevalence of split nail as many patients who have a split nail due to a known trauma will not seek medical attention, but this was the breakdown of cases seen in this paper. Tumors were the cause again in 46% of the cases, Two-thirds of those were benign, and one-third were malignant, mostly melanomas. In four cases that were melanoma, longitudinal melanonychia adjacent to the split nail or 
nail splitting within the longitudinal melaninichia was a clue to that melanoma. Two melanomas presented as a proximal fissure associated with a black nodule at the base of the nail plate just distal to the proximal nail fold. The remainder of the malignant tumors were Bowen's disease. The benign tumors were mostly myxoid pseudocysts or onychopapilloma and less often epidermoid cysts, glomus tumor, angiokeratoma, benign nevus, or fibrokeratoma. Inflammatory nail disorders were responsible for a quarter of the cases of split nail, which were primarily nail unit lichen planus and lichen striatus, with a few cases of Derrier's disease. Of the traumatic cases, half of them were iatrogenic, mostly post-nail biopsy, and about a third were self-induced. All of the cases of onychotillomania were on the left thumb, which was interesting. Three cases of congenital nail duplication were seen, and all were associated with distal bony phalanx duplication. The rarest cause was systemic disease, which comprised one case each of sarcoidosis and lupus. Pathology was available in 30 cases, and 24 of these were reviewed. These pathology specimens originated from a mix of procedures ranging from a 3mm punch biopsy of the nail fold matrix or bed, tangential excisions, longitudinal excisions, or several cases of on-block nail unit removal. The authors focused the slide review on the alterations and the locations in the nail unit where those alterations were. In 63% of the cases, the pathology confirmed the provided clinical diagnosis, but in 27% of cases, the histology provided a new diagnosis. The histopathologic reviews confirmed that alteration of nail matrix integrity, whether it was just the proximal matrix or the entire nail matrix, was sufficient to cause a split nail. The damage in either of those locations leads to a thinned nail plate that will break at the free edge when exposed to minor daily traumas. This alteration can be from scar, but it can also be from stretching due to a submatrical tumor or impaired keratinization. Myxoid cysts, glomus tumor, and angiokeratoma likely cause splitting of the nail plate due to this stretching mechanism. In the case of nail unit lichen planus and lichen striatus, one theory is that the nail matrix epithelium was involved and there was a superficial dermal lichenoid infiltrate that caused a thin nail plate via disrupted keratin synthesis. Another possible theory is that lichen planus leads to a hyperkeratotic ventral surface of the proximal nail fold, which then compresses the underlying proximal matrix. The authors note that it's interesting that nail psoriasis, which also has superficial inflammation and hyperkeratosis, does not cause split nail. The discussion in the paper included some additional interesting points about the cause of nail splitting, such as there was no hand or foot side predominance. One in situ melanoma had nail splitting, which shows that a process only involving the nail matrix epithelium can lead to a split nail, and it does not require pressure from a large tumor. They also saw that junctional nevi can cause a split nail, presumably through a similar mechanism, although this seems to be rare. Bowen's disease was typically associated with lateral splitting, likely due to the fact that these tend to be HPV-driven from warts that originate from the lateral nail folds. However, split nail seems to be a rare manifestation of invasive SCC 
which is likely because the nail plate is often destroyed in those cases. The most important takeaways here are that we now have a very nice list of the differential diagnosis of split nail based on the largest study of this topic to date. And it's important not to attribute a single split nail to trauma without an appropriate history because it may be a tumor. The authors recommend routine photography of all cases of split nail and performing a histologic section centered on the split area to improve clinical pathologic correlation. All right. Yes. This is just another reminder to have that high index of suspicion for an underlying tumor when you see a patient with a split nail. Exactly. Uh, Catherine, tell us what you read about. Okay. So I chose the article, Tumor Invasion in the Hyponychium is Associated with Distant Metastasis and Poor Prognosis in Subungual Melanoma, a Histologic Landscape of 44 Cases by doctors Yu et al. from Seoul, South Korea, published in the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology in May 2022, so just this month. In order to evaluate the relationship between the pattern of dermal invasion in different locations of the nail apparatus with clinical outcomes, the authors reviewed 44 cases of subungual melanoma treated between January 2011 and April 2019 at their institution. Sections of the dorsal roof of the proximal nail fold, the ventral floor of the proximal nail fold, the germinal matrix, and the nail bed were examined by two pathologists. An invasion in each subunit was categorized as no tumor, in situ tumor, or dermal invasion. Individuals with lymph node metastasis, distant metastasis, or local recurrence were categorized as high risk. 34 patients had invasive melanoma and 10 had melanoma in situ. Of these, 55% underwent an amputation and 45% had functional surgery. A sentinel lymph node biopsy was performed in 26 patients, of which three showed metastasis. And during a mean follow-up of three years, lymph node metastasis was seen in 27% of cases, in distant metastasis in 30% of cases, and local recurrence in 7% of cases. A higher risk of lymph node metastasis, distant metastasis, and local recurrence was seen in patients with dermal invasion of the hyponychium. Invasion of the hyponychium was significantly associated with a greater Breslow depth. The presence of dermal invasion in the nail bed, the germinal matrix, and the other locations of the proximal nail fold correlated with a higher total involvement score, but not with increasing Breslow depth. So the hyponychium was the only area that showed a correlation with higher Breslow depth. The disease-free survival rate was significantly shorter in patients with invasion of the hyponychium and the nail bed. So the authors suggest the hyponychium may be more vulnerable to metastatic progression because of the high density of lymphatics and the absence of underlying bone in that area. And even though we know that nail unit melanoma is thought to originate in the nail matrix, dermal invasion was more frequent and deeper in the distal nail apparatus. Other studies have shown that tumor cell proliferation is more prominent in the hyponychium than the germinal matrix. And interestingly, in the current study, three patients presented with invasive tumor in the hyponychium 
but no tumor in the germinal matrix, and two presented with in situ tumor in the nail bed or hyponychium without any tumor in the matrix. So this suggests that the origin of the malignant proliferation may not be limited to the nail matrix. In summary, the major takeaways are that hyponychial invasion is a poor prognostic indicator with higher depth of invasion and lower disease-free survival, suggesting that these patients may need more aggressive treatment and closer surveillance. Thank you. I think this contributes some interesting things to my understanding of nail unit melanoma. Well, Catherine, thank you for joining me on this episode of Clippings. I want to thank our listeners for their attention. To all of our listeners, please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we're doing and which articles you would like us to review on the show by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Twitter at Nail Disorders. 